because it's what five after. Yeah, I guess we can go ahead. Okay. You know, yeah. Why don't you go ahead? This, yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention uh this the book. Let wait. Let me get to that screen. Come here. Where did I? Put oh, it? Roger's gone. Here it oh. is. Roger just left. Roger just oh. left. Maybe he couldn't unmute. Maybe he'll be back in a second. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Christine Catherine Rush, the retrieval oh. artist. Mm-hmm. I like it's her. called it's called the disappeared. It's the first in the retrieval artist series. Uh-huh. And Miles Flint worked for the police on the moon, and he um he was in a dome city. Now, why I don't remember the city is beyond me. I forget if it's called Armageddon. It's called oh boy, Armageddon. It's it's a city there. The moon has dome cities, and it just tells you how he becomes a retrieval artist. A retrieval artist contacts people who have disappeared. They have disappeared because in this universe, Earth has established, oh, Roger's coming back, the Earth yep. has established treaty relations with various aliens. And what happens if you're from Earth and you go to one of their planets and you do something that you don't realize is wrong, like maybe you pick a flower, and they might want to kill you or they might want your first child. And so people disappear so they can avoid the alien justice and the retrieval artist will help you. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they tend to let people know who have disappeared that maybe it's safe for them to come back now, or maybe they help families find people who were disappeared mm -hmm. and, it it was interesting because it's a science fiction mystery. It's on the moon. It has some high tech to it. What I didn't like about it is I cannot get a fix on what century this is supposed to be. They obviously, if if they're meeting aliens and flying all over, they obviously have a way to get to different planets and different parts of the solar of the universe. And if they're on the moon and they don't talk much about the gravity, they figured out how to boost the moon's one six gravity because trying to live that would make me sick. And they have, you know, they have technology differently than we do. People have enhancements, sort of cyberpunk type enhancements, so they can hook into the net and everything. And like I said, I just thought it was interesting. It reminded me a tiny bit of Artemis, which was the mystery that Andrew Weir wrote. I don't know if he's had any more in his series, but this mm -hmm. kind of reminded me just a little bit of that. I thought hmm. it was interesting. There are like at least eight or nine or maybe more books in the series. I've read the first three. They kind of blurred together because I'm not a huge mystery fan. I read this more because it was a science fiction mystery Uh huh. because mysteries always confuse me, but I like this one for its setting. Are you going to read the subsequent ones? You think I read, I don't know. I read the second and third. I may go back and try another one. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. The, the book was written in 2002. It was recorded in 2008 and Bard just got it. I don't know. I guess wow. they, they just discovered it. Huh? Wow. It's I like her book. as an author. I can't think of, yeah, I can't she think does, of other ones I've read. She, but. she does other stuff. I don't know if it's pirates or other SF. Yeah. Wasn't there a series where she, they're like our salvage people. They go salvage. Yes. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. The bone something series. I think it's yeah. got something to do with with the, with maybe, but yes, I do vaguely recall seeing this. I may have to look at that as well. Yeah, she's yeah. different. She's interesting, you know, and it's always interesting to see like how would you do a science fiction mystery or a mm -hmm. fantasy mystery, and that's always 
interested me just a bit. So I tried those and I found them to be of interest. I haven't seen any other major science fiction I've read lately, mm-hmm. though. Um, oh, I did read. They're not specifically science fiction. They were written by David Weber. And they're what happens when two civilizations meet. Civilization one has things like computers and genetics like we do, but everything's powered by magic, which I don't quite understand. Civilization two and they meet because they 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 both keep discovering all you know multiple multiple worlds in multiple universes that all look like earth and so they meet on this planet and they something goes horribly wrong and they become enemies the second civilization reminds me of earth in the year about 2015 i'm no i'm sorry 1915 they have like coal fired trains and they have machine gun weapons and they're discovering more technology, but their society is underpinned by mental, by psi powers. They certain people are born with the ability to read your mind. Other people can communicate across distances with other people. A few rare people have the ability to teleport you across the planet. So it was just how they make these universes work. But again, I don't think that's really science fiction. I think yeah. these are more fantasy. So I didn't really get into those, but David Weber wrote them and I'm I've read the first three and I'm waiting to see what happens. I need to finish. I want to see what happens. I wish he would he would finish, but he tends to write long stuff and they come in many, many, many volumes. He's I think Honor Harrington, I think, is his science fiction. Uh, if I'm not okay. mistaken. It seems like I tried reading one of his and couldn't get through it. Evan, where are you? Because Evan would know all this stuff. <laughs> Evan knows this genre. He's going to listen to this and be screaming at his his. Uh, He's going to have stream. to edit this, won't he? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Is that it then? Yes. Okay. Um. I started about five or six books and didn't like any of them enough to read more than an hour. I, I'm having more and more trouble finding something I like. So I started this book called Alien Morning by Rick Wilbur, and I thought it was going to be good, but I definitely don't recommend it. Um, There's a guy named Peter who, I forget what year this is, someplace way in the future, and he's like what we would call a social media influencer, but they call them sweepers. He has something where he can, whatever he's viewing, the whole world can see or his followers can see. So these aliens come to Earth and... One of the aliens can disguise herself as a regular woman, and Peter's brother, Tom, is a physicist, so she's working somehow with him, and she wants to meet Peter because she wants him involved in the aliens' adventures on Earth, I guess. She wants him to film everything as they go around and make friends all around the world. So, of course, Peter ends up having an affair with her, which causes him and his brother to have a falling out because his brother thought she was his girlfriend. Understandably, he's angry. And I don't understand. There's another alien called Two Clicks that maintains his alien form. And Heather and Two Clicks travel all over the world, meeting people and making friends. But there's not really much about that other than what I just said. Uh, Some sentences like that. And then Two Clicks has a brother, Whistle, who ends up blowing up a bunch of military planes of various countries. And it turns out that Whistle and Two Clicks are brothers, and they have this competition going. And they've apparently done this on other worlds, where one's the good guy and one's the bad guy, and they compete to rule the new world and end up destroying it. Oh. And so 
They're running around the world trying to avoid Whistle, who's trying to blow them up. But most of the book is all this tangential stuff about Peter's childhood and his brother and his sister Kate, who was a drug addict and is now married and uh, and he has girlfriend and just all this stuff that you don't care about. I wanted to know more about the aliens, about well, their yeah. world. You don't know anything about the world they come from. I learn nothing. And you don't. Somebody just joined. Who just joined? I will. Hello, do you hear me now? Do you yes. hear me? Yes, yes. Is that right? Okay, Roger? I finally got. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'll finish my book and then I'll let you go. Um, I uh, The book ends in um, at one point. Pete's sister Kate is killed, or so they think, but Heather assures Pete that she's really not killed. It's a fake image or fake body of hers just to upset them and get them to give up, and that they really have his sister on their own world. So at the end, Pete takes off in the spaceship to go to their world, and that's the end. You don't find out what happens to Earth. You don't find out you don't find out much of anything about what the aliens do or what they're like or what their world is like. So I definitely would not recommend Alien Morning by Rick Wilbur. I checked Bard to see if there might be a sequel, and that's the only book they have on Bard, and it was written in 2016. That doesn't mean there's not a sequel, but I'm not interested in reading it anyway, so I didn't go out and look on Bookshare or, or research it any further. So that's it. And is that you you the phone number roger yes that's me okay and i i had a little bit of trouble getting in and i'm sorry but um i as i was trying to trace wires and get them connected and stuff like that i didn't catch any of what youtube was saying oh <laughs> well are you able to get uh, the recording so i don't know if we want yeah, to repeat it, it on the recording yeah, I, I subscribe to the I subscribe to the podcast. Okay. Um, well, my book was Alien Morning by Rick Wilbur, and I do not recommend it. And David, if you just want to tell him what the title of and author of your book was and what you thought. Uh oh, David, you're still here, aren't you? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. But it sounds like we're almost well, done. Yeah. yeah well, let me go if, on with mine. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, this time I bring you The Final Theorem by Arthur C. Clarke and Frederick Pohl. Now, apparently this was the very last uh, book that Arthur C. Clarke ever wrote because it was published in 2008, and that was the year he died. And I get the impression, well, Frederick Pohl and Arthur C. Clarke never or the collaboration before. So I get the impression that Clark died before he could get the book finished, and Frederick Toll finished it off for him. Um, but in any case, it is really oriented towards Sri Lanka, which is where Arthur C. Clark lived, starting in, I think it was about 1956. So he got to know the area pretty well. And he knew what kind of ethnic conflicts were going on there. So his main character happens to be a Tamil. And <clears throat> early on in the story, 
the main character, who I think is about a teenager at that time, ends up not in <clears throat> necessarily, necessarily an ongoing relationship, but um, one homosexual incident with a friend of his. And a servant sees this and reports it back to his father. His father is rather upset about it. And as he explains it to his son, it's not what you did, it's what who you did it with. You are a Tamil. He is a Sinhalese. <laughs> and father demands that, well, basically kicks the main character out of the house and says, you will have no more contact with me until I know for sure that you have broken off all relationships with the Sinhalese. So <clears throat> that shows something about Arthur C. Clarke knows the ethnic conflicts going on in Sri Lanka. But in any case, the son was something of a mathematical genius. And he was working on Fermat's last theorem. Fermat was a French mathematician who in the 17th century um, wrote in the margin of a book in his library. The book, he didn't write the book himself, but he wrote in the margin that um, he had a solution for a certain theorem. And for centuries after that, um, other mathematicians, the most expert ones in the world, were trying to figure out what his theorem was or what his, the solution to his theorem was. And they never did, which tells me that Fermat probably was mistaken. What it was, it was, um, you've heard of the Pythagorean theorem, uh, with a right triangle, the square of the hypotenuse equals the sums of the, the sum of the squares of the other two sides. But suppose you cube, use the cube of those sides instead of a square. Well, no, it doesn't work then. Suppose you raise it to the fourth power. No, it doesn't work. And in fact, every power anyone has ever raised it to, it doesn't work except for just the power of two, a square. Now, the trouble is there are an infinite number of numbers that you could plug in. And so how do we know that only the square of the hypotenuse and some of the squares of the other two sides um, equal each other if we can't test every single last number? Well, um, Vermont said that he had a proof that they can, and he said that in the margin of the book where he wrote it and said he didn't have enough room to write the proof there. But nobody ever found <clears throat> his proof in any of his other papers. And so it wasn't really proved <clears throat> until 1994. And the people who proved Fermat's last theorem in 1994 uh, used computers and mathematical techniques that would not have been known to Fermat in the 1600s. 
and their proof turned out to be a 150-page proof. Well, in this story, in this story, Rajit Supermanian, that's the name of the main character, works on Fermat's last theorem himself and comes up with a three-page proof. And by the way, this is a fictional proof, so don't think that anybody has ever come up with any three-page proof yet. And <clears throat> I prefer he becomes world famous because of his three-page proof, and he gets a professorship, mathematics at a big Sri Lankan university. And then most of the story is a novel about his life, bio biographical novel. Um, he keeps doing more mathematical, whimsical things and. Go on. <clears throat> now, I'm going to say something else. Um, the word, hopefully if the word escapes me right now, uh, autism, autism, the word autism is not mentioned anywhere in this book, but I get the impression that it is, it is largely about autism. I think that Rajit Subramanian has a bit of a, a bit of autism, which is what makes him a mathematical genius. And he ends up marrying a woman who also seems to be some kind of a super genius. And they have a kid um, that they name Natasha, commonly known as Tashi who is an um, overachiever herself, except she is into athletics and stuff. And later on, they have a son that they named Robert, who um, <clears throat> he really shows signs of being autistic in that he can't talk too well. People have a hard time understanding him. But he is a super math genius, too. And as things progress, um, Tashi gets involved in something called the Lunar Olympics. And this is about the first place where this uh, story really shows itself to be science fiction. Um, to go watch their daughter participate in the Lunar Olympics, they go to the um, space elevator which takes them all the way up into outer space. And it's a long trip, too. Um, it's not like a weekend jaunt. You get on the space elevator, and you're on up for weeks until you get into what would be orbit. And by the way, they have to cloak themselves in little capsules when they pass through the Van Allen belt. And then they proceed from there that to the moon. Wild. Yeah, well, they proceed to the moon <clears throat> where they have an Olympics going on. And this is, um, well, it's Olympics in low gravity. And that's what the attraction of it is. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, um, and now while all this is going on, there's a parallel story going on. Way back when, 
the atomic bomb was invented. And then suddenly, well, they tested it, and then they wiped out Nagasaki and Hiroshima with it, and then they continued to test it. Mm. The Russians learned how to make them, and they tested it too. And everybody else was testing their atomic bombs. Every time they tested it, these EMPs traveled out into space at the speed of light. And after so many years, so many decades had passed, the, MP, and the EMPs start passing other stars. And some of those stars are inhabited by intelligent beings who notice it. And it describes them, well, they're various different species. But there's one species called the... Um, the grand galactics who seem to rule over the other species. And they are very different from human beings, but they have similarities too. And one of the similarities they have to human beings is fear. And they notice that somebody that they weren't aware of before is setting off atomic bombs. So the grand galactics order that humanity is to be exterminated. And they send um, a species called, the, I think they call them 1.5s or something like that. I don't know why they call them that, to do the extermination. And they send another species there to study humanity before they are exterminated. These species is called the nine limbs. And yeah, they have um, they have eight legs that they walk on, and then and another leg that comes out their rear end and bends over their backs and up front. That's used to manipulate things, and it is a sexual organ too. Strange looking <laughs> characters, aren't they? But um, in any case. They are headed towards Earth at a good proportion of the uh, speed of light. But still, it's, they don't make the speed of light itself, so it's going to take them longer to get to, to Earth than it took for those EMPs to reach them. And meanwhile, here's Rajik Supermanian. And I'm kind of wondering if the name Supermanian was chosen because it sounds like Superman. I don't know. But as um, the story progresses, when the 1.5s are almost at Earth, well, the um, nine arms are already on Earth, keeping themselves hidden and observing humans and listening to them discuss things and learning their languages and stuff like that. And they come up with information that they manage to transmit back to the and galactics that make the grand galactics change their minds and decide, okay, we're not going to exterminate humanity after all. We are going to um, recruit them to be in the galactic civilization. But by then, of course, it's too late to keep the 1.5s from reaching Earth. So they do reach Earth, and they tried to pick out a pretty much uninhabited area 
to land in, which turns out to be a depression in northwest Egypt in the Sahara Desert. And the Egyptians, of course, object to, well, that's our territory and you shouldn't be taking over our territory. And, of course, other countries, they, well, they fear the invaders, so they send these um, planes to wipe them out. And, of course, well, the planes just, um, the 1.5s just make them fall out of the sky and blow up and all of that. Uh, but in any case, one of the species involved are called the stored people or something like that. But what it comes down to is they no longer have physical bodies, but their minds, all their memories and minds and such are stored in computer programs. And toward the end, Ajit Supramanian, he's getting older by now. He decides to opt for immortality by becoming one of the stored ones himself. So does his wife. And by doing so, well, they are practically immortal, and they were real geniuses to begin with. And now they have a long stretch of time in front of them to consider what they're doing and so on. And right toward the end, one of the last scenes was um, Rajit was exploring the caves on Mars, and his wife decides that she wants to see a black hole up front. She takes off with the central black hole of the galaxy while her husband is exploring the caves of Mars. And, well, it will be several thousand years before she comes back. So he gets all the caves explored. And he said, now what do I do while I wait for her? Well, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> there is another theorem that has not been proved. And I forget the name of it, but it's basically like this. If you take any number, well, any even number, and divide it by two or any... Um, odd number and multiply it by three and add one, you get an even number, and you divide that by two, and then whatever result you get, if it's an even number, you divide that by two, and so on. Like, for example, if you picked out eight and divided it by two, you get four, and divide that by two, you get two, and divide that by two, you get one. Um, if it's a nine, it becomes a lot more complex. A complex because every time you hit a an odd number, you multiply it by three and add one, and then start dividing by two again. But the theorem says that any number you pick, if you follow these rules, is going to be reduced to a one. But again, nobody has proved that. Every number that anybody has ever done this to has reduced to one, but there are an infinite number of numbers, and can you really be sure that every one will reduce to one? And there has been, uh, intuitively, you would think so, but math mathematicians want proof, not intuition. 
So there's Rajik just in a cave in Mars for thousands of years trying to come up with a proof for this theorem. <laughs> wow. And that pretty that pretty much ends the story. I thought I thought it was pretty good. And like I said, I think I think Frederick Pohl took over when Arthur C. Clarke died and I I get the impression that most of the stuff with the aliens are probably Pohl's work and most of the stuff with the um uh, Tamil Rajiv Subramanian and his family are probably Arthur C. Clarke's work. So, what do you think? Did you like it? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I don't think I'd like I all that it. math stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, well, it, it in order to keep from disrupting the story, they don't go deep into mathematical equations, but they mm -hmm. do explain what. They do explain what these theorems that they're trying to prove are, yeah. uh, just like I just described it. But they don't go much farther than that. They don't they go into what proofs they came up with or how they came up with it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But by the way, like I said, in the real world, in the real world, Fermat's last theorem was proved in 1994, and it's a 150-page proof. Yeah. <laughs> so... In my opinion, Fermat thought he had a solution. Yeah. I think he was mistaken. <laughs> huh. Wow. Wow. Well, no one else has joined. Do either of you have a recommended book for next month? Because if not, David had suggested maybe letting us talk about it on the science fiction email list and come well, up with something. Yeah, actually, actually, I, actually, I had one in mind. A couple of months ago, when we brought our own books, you remember that I brought um, The Walls of the Universe by uh, Paul Melker. Okay. And I thought, that was a, I thought that was a really good one. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, I wanted to suggest that, you know, I wouldn't get the rest of you to read it too, so I, I wanted to suggest that one. Okay. David, do you have an opinion? David, we can no. hardly hear you. Oh, no. there you are. Okay. No, no, I'll, I'll I'll just wait for the list. Okay. Well, Roger, I don't have any other one either. So if you want to send that out to the science fiction list so people don't have to wait for this recording to find out what the book is, send us the title and the author. And if you have the DB number, some people, I don't care about that, but some people do. Well, yeah. Okay. 